0: instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash press on and use code press on 25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press on falsies.
1: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Hello, hello, hello. I've just been boring you to death, boring you to sleep with my sleep stories or my <laughs> stories of not sleeping. Being an adult, I woke up this morning and I was like, oh my God, you know, when you're young, you're in your 20s and you're just like...
1: Uh, burst out of bed.
2: Yeah, or, you, or, you, or you, things like this, topics like this are just not even on your radar, like sleep, <laughs> the thought of sleep. I've always just slept well, I've never thought about sleeping, I've never... Like stressed about it, it's just been something I could do now, for some fucking ungodly reason this year, I've already said this, and I feel like it kind of like could be an LA thing in the fact that I live in a very scary place alone, and there's always noises, but I just can't sleep, and so like the night before last, I took I don't know why I did this I need to stop with the weed gummies I need to just like throw them away I need to burn them because they just do no good for me ever and every single time I'm like why don't I just take another one and see how it goes and every time I get absolutely fucked I took a sleep gummy the night before last tossed and turned the entire night kept waking up really stoned and then last night took a melatonin And slept well, but it's 8.35 in the morning. And Grace was just like, hello. And I was like, I literally just woke up. (laughs) I have the strongest coffee beside me. I had to wash my hair, even though it wasn't dirty, so that I could like try and wake up out of my slumber.
1: Well, you had a melatonin last night. Yeah,
2: because I literally can't fall asleep without anything now.
1: I, yeah, I actually understand that. I can't sleep when Zach's not Mm -hmm. here in the home. By myself, just a, a, as a force of habit thing. Like, before we lived together, I never struggled to. I think it's – I I understand that for you, living there in L.A. I don't know what the answer is apart from melatonin. I know. But it's such a real thing. And if you don't sleep properly, it, I find – I always feel like I'm not well rested at all and I sleep so much. Same. So I sleep minimum. Yeah. I sleep like nine plus hours a night and I never wake up feeling relaxed. I sleep always over
2: eight. Yeah. Like my, my, I, so I downloaded this app called rise and I think it's a UK thing. So you could get it. I don't think other people can get it on the app store if they're not in the UK, but, um, I downloaded this app called Rise and it you have to pay for it, but I did a three-month trial and you should do it, Grace, because the three-month trial tells you so much and it tells you how much sleep you need based on your energy levels and based on all the data that's on your phone, basically. Um, and, then it tell, and so mine was eight and a half hours and most nights I'll actually only end up sleeping like eight hours 10 or something or less mm-hmm. or seven hours 45 and it's just not actually enough for these bodies of ours. And so it was telling me that I was in sleep debt, like three hours of sleep debt, four hours of sleep debt.
1: Because it like accumulates over the week. Mm -hmm. That is really interesting. Okay, I'm going to get this app.
2: Yeah, but then, no, but then you get obsessed with it. So I was like, I'm in, so my sister was here. I was like, I'm in sleep debt. Like, I need to go to bed (laughs) right (laughs) now. (laughs) And so last night, then I couldn't afford to keep paying for it. And I also, it also tells you the times in the day. It's really interesting when your energy peaks and when it drops off. So mm-hmm. you have like a huge peak in the morning for productivity, which I often spend like walking to Pilates and back. And then I go to start work and I'm like, oh, I'm tired.
1: I'm tired. Because your yeah. energy
2: dips from 12 till 4. Well, mine does. Dips completely from 12 to 4. And then from 5 till like 9, I have this another really huge
1: productivity window and it tells you when you shouldn't have caffeine that's really interesting mine is definitely my my circadian rhythm or whatever it's called is like a long a long descent from morning i just dip (laughs) all through the day i don't understand like zach comes home from work and works through the night and i that just fills me with horror and anger and sadness like i could never ever work in the evening
2: Oh, I I work in the
1: evening. That's why I go to bed late.
2: It's really bad. I I always stop working. I always work. I wake up and work from like eight thirty till one. And then I basically don't even do anything else. I'm just in my house doing like nothing. I don't even know what I'm doing. Until like four. And then I start working again from kind of five last night I worked till eleven forty five that's i know that's why i slept bad last night don't shake your heads at me i can hear you all but shaking
1: and tutting <laughs> she's working till 12 she's slamming melatonin she's waking up at eight she's <laughs> jumping straight on the mic she's an american workaholic oh
2: what yeah obviously try to have a gorgeous little wind down period my rise app tells me from 8 40 p.m it's time for wind down try to self social media try to not work etc but the past two nights have just been
1: too busy. Yeah, it's not it's not good. I think I'm I, I think I would like to work maybe three hours a day. <laughs> I think that would be my ideal. Like seven till seven. Yeah, I like it. I realize I like an early I like an early rise but but just to work quietly. Not to like run or like go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And then maybe finish the whole day at like one would be nice.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's what I've basically been doing for the past like three weeks because my sister's been here. And it is kind of possible if you just work really hard in those periods, if you do the Pomodoro method and actually work, you can get a lot done.
1: I also think that maybe I'm going to wrap this up in a minute because I'm like almost boring myself as I say this out loud, (laughs) but I do think that. When you work from home, you're more tired. I think the awareness that a bed is close by is like, is like bad for your brain. I feel mm. this like pull to the bedroom constantly through the day. My body just wants to. Yeah, nap. I
2: worked. I worked in bed
1: yesterday or like on my bed yesterday. You shouldn't be able to work somewhere where there is a bed.
2: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, I didn't leave the house once yesterday at all. i was just been in these three rooms. <laughs>
1: That's a nice day. For
2: so long. But yeah.
1: Nothing anyway.
2: About. So wait, when did we talk about Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner on the Patreon or on the main?
1: On the Patreon. So this okay. is a good we can give a micro take. Because we all the things that we said as a very reactionary response to the Sophie Turner, Joe Jonas divorce narrative has now become the mainstream media narrative <laughs> and everyone's turned on Joe Jonas and I, I just love how quickly everyone saw through that little tactic of his.
2: I know it's so heavenly but did you see that since we recorded Patreon so we basically when we recorded he would hired a divorce lawyer I think the day before and then the day of uh, he announced they were getting a divorce and also started all those sources to TMZ started saying that basically she was a bad absent mother and that the kids have been with him the whole time and then her team has basically still just stayed silent other than saying um Sophie's filming in the UK and they decided together that the kids would stay at their home in America with their dad and his entire family because there's more support there than on her film
1: set which makes complete sense and she hasn't made anything like since having kids like this is her first job in whatever years. It's having two back-to-back children. And now he's using this anyway.
2: Yeah, and then, Grace, after we recorded, he went on a fucking pap stroll with I the babies outside, even though they've barely been photographed with their children at all in the years that they've had them. Somehow, suddenly, by accident, Joe's got his hands full of kids out out and about. I was like, fuck you.
1: His publicist needs to be, like, fired. The, the whole thing was just such an insane misstep. The kid, I could not believe the trotting out the kids, especially because what's really unfair about that is that it's like they, as a couple have decided not to ever have the children photographed and then for the children's protection or whatever privacy. And then he decides to spin that as a a further way to like denigrate Sophie Turner in the press by trotting them out, especially. So the only picture you've ever seen of them is just with him. But that's because yeah. that's something they chose together. It's all so sneaky and underhanded, and bothersome.
2: Yeah, it's it's so gross. And then I've loved that yeah, as you say, it's become the whole media narrative, but just the, the articles that women are writing are so funny.
1: <laughs> like so one good.
2: one for Vogue was like, Long live the party, Mum. And then someone in um, and I think the evening standard or something was just like Joe Jonas has been painting Sophie Turner as a party girl, but he' has, um, he's obviously unaware that in UK, in the UK there's no highest higher compliment.
1: Yes, it's, it's it's if anything just made people like her and have more goodwill towards her than ever before and has just outed him as annoying. The greatest thing about this was the about turn that he has done on stage. Have you read this? It's so good. What? So, Teen Vogue wrote a thing saying that he appeared to uh, reference his divorce from Sophie Turner on stage because they're on tour at the moment. And he, so he took a moment at the show in LA to address the onslaught of hate that his wife has been receiving. And he said it's been a tough week. And he just said, I just want to say, if you don't hear it from these lips, don't believe it, okay? Which is like, whatever. Thank you for the love and support. But then he sang this song that he wrote for her called Hesitate. And during the performance, he made a change in the lyrics from don't be scared because I'm on your side to don't be scared because I'm on her side. And then he started crying. He's a bad actor. Stop. Don't be scared. Don't be because I'm on hers. Like, yuck. And crying the fake tear, the crocodile tears on stage. You only cared that. You only care about her now because your tactic to wreck her didn't work. Yeah. I can't with a 35-year-old man behaving this way.
2: I know. I'm on Twitter and someone goes, mad how these attempted hatchet jobs make the target seem quite a sound. (laughs) (laughs) I love UK
1: chat. Exactly. And the pictures were like suspiciously released of her doing shots at a bar. At the exact same time, the pictures of him with the kids were released. Oh, my God. It's it's terrible.
2: Someone on TikTok was saying their take was, they were just like, I know exactly why Sophie Turner and Jojo are divorcing. And their take was um, that it's because she's cool and he wants to be cool, desperately. So he kind of married her because she was really cool and loved that she made him seem cool, but then could just, because he's faking it, he was always just kind of like yeah, jealous of her or something and jealous of the way that she could so authentically be herself and people liked her for it, but he he was always trying.
1: Yeah, And he's so there
2: was, Yeah, he's <laughs> jade, and so there was this kind of animosity building between them or something. I reckon she just went out and made friends easily. I feel like she just kind of stole the show, and they don't like that, as Taylor Swift just sang about Joe Elwyn.
1: <laughs> did she <laughs> Not to another, another Taylor Swift <laughs>
2: Taylor Swift
1: um as we said at the time the last time we spoke about it it's just so shocking as we'll talk about in a moment with the Ashton Kutcher Mila Kunis thing like getting that caught up in your own mythology and celebrity and personal branding like to care that much that you could throw someone who is the mother of your children and someone you loved until very recently under the bus in that way. It's just, it will never cease to shock me. It's like a, a psychopathic way to behave.
2: I know it's, it's absolutely crazy. I wonder who he'll end up with next. Someone
1: so boring.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Did you see what I put on? I'll document of Sophie Turner. She's literally on, She's outdoors, has an a bow and arrow in between her toes. No, it's not actually. Doing, her. <laughs> oh my god, who is that? It's like some kind of stunt double. stunt
1: woman, or something. But it looks just like her. Yeah. Oh my god,
2: I was like, this is crazy. The shit they made her do for Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. So yeah. So I'm part of a tweet being like, Sophie turned on her way to kill Joe and I was like, wow, <laughs> I can't believe it.
1: Uh, I love, uh, the UK's rallied around her so much specifically. I wonder if I want, there's probably some, but you know what? Even on the Daily Mail, which I do tend to find is a very specific audience, obviously. Like I I tend to find the comment section is quite indicative of how a lot of people feel. Everyone was like, we love Sophie Turner. Really? Yeah. I just can't see it except for maybe like Christian- us brother heads I can't yes. see many people in the world who are on his side
2: yeah the evening standard face finished with Sophie I'm sorry you were too fun for your husband <laughs> <laughs> I'm game for a night out he can watch the kids <laughs> it's so funny it just made her seem fun and cool like it's so jokes and then all of those things are resurfacing of her um remember her at that game whatever kind of game they were at and she was on the camera and she had the red wine in the plastic cup and her they show her face have you seen this it's like the best thing in the world yeah she starts sculling the red (laughs) wine wait what did she do first she like dabbed or something and then sculls the red wine spills it all down her cheek wipes her face (laughs) (laughs)
1: when i saw that i was like how how funny would it be if she actually was just this absolute hoon who was like causing havoc in the home and we're all just like fuck off joe jonas (laughs) completely justified it'd be so funny no one would even care
2: no but she's not she's just fucking wanting to live at the same time as have kids and he just wants a wife that's gonna stay at home while he's on tour like fuck off stop going on tour no one cares no one like wants to listen to your band. songs.
1: I know, no one's interested. But from Pranak Chopra, <laughs> except for Pranak Chopra, and whoever the other Jonas brother is.
2: Yeah, and what's she? She's said nothing in all of this. Where's that sisterhood god now? Not to blame yeah. it on women, <laughs> <laughs> but who's Kevin's wife. Yeah, Kevin. That's right. Kevin and. He married – he was cute. He just married his little, like, non-famous love.
1: He probably had to marry her to have sex with her <laughs> in the old traditional – so. Su- I think they're really religious, I suspect. Yeah. In, it, it, I think this is why it's causing such, like, visceral reaction with people because it, it feels like from the outside, obviously, we don't know the ins and outs of, like, any – Relationship, and it's kind of insane to talk about it, but it feels like that thing of, as you just said, the guy who marries the cool, fun, free spirited woman and then feels betrayed that she doesn't turn into the boring, submissive domestic housewife that he secretly wanted the whole time. Like he wants mm-hmm. to have a cool, public facing person, but actually behind the scenes wants the very traditional um thing and it's all the reasons he fell for her become things that he uses against her. That feels like a trope I think a lot of women can relate to.
2: For sure. I also find it so funny that the source Sid Jonas had been caring for the children pretty much all of the time for the last three months while she filmed a series of the UK. <laughs>
1: It's like... Like, that is not newsworthy. You're their father. You're their other Which was
2: decided upon before she went to the UK for filming because it was better for the children and your family's all there. Like, I doubt you've fucking been looking after them the whole
1: time. That is so funny that that was in there. Like, do you actually want a pat on the back for raising your own child? Like, why is that even being discussed? It's so funny.
2: Yeah. And then she's, like, enjoying her life while she's not around her
1: kids by drinking at a bar and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) like. What? She's supposed to like go home and pray the rosary every night. That's yeah, if we're stupid. gonna cancel
2: anyone, it's Justin Timberlake <laughs> for that
1: kind of behavior.
2: Like, come on, <laughs> exactly. As if every man doesn't drink when they're
1: not with their kids. It, yeah, it's it's super crazy. It's a good it's a good like discussion. It's a it's one of those good cultural discussions about late like latent misogyny and these under. The cover under the surface ways that it pops up um which is good i guess a good convo yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. i put on our page on our instagram like that me and you did the did sophie turner's first post-divorce interview in a magazine <laughs> cover exclusive and like three <laughs> girls were just like oh my god <laughs> signed up immediately i was like tricked yeah.
1: We we ad lib wrote her first post divorce cover interview and I can't wait even for it to have come out. Her. We don't. We wrote basically the whole thing. <laughs> when it comes out, we're going to do a word for word next to it. It's, we're going to get so many things right.
2: We should we should just we should write it beforehand and then
1: more we should write so. it, send it to some editors, see who picks it up, then send it to Sophie Turner's team to approve.
2: <laughs> yeah. We can also say we've got experience. You live in the UK. What she might do shot.
1: as a wild card is a call her daddy. Oh, I hope not. I hope not too, but I I'm can see over it. That actually girl. Priyanka Chopra did one, so maybe not.
2: I think Cole Sprouse, was it Cole Sprouse? Dylan Sprouse. Yeah. Whatever Sprouse was smoking, the annoying in the room Yeah, ruined that show them that's Mm. she done a um what's that guy's name diary of a ceo or something that maisie williams went on
1: but i don't think she'd do
2: that i think it's too serious i reckon she'll it's a bit too like
1: yeah and he does those like clickbaity headlines too much
2: yeah and i think it's too um what's the word too cutesy not cutesy a bit too not genuine <laughs> what's the word when um earn like earnest yeah, earnest yeah earnest. yeah a bit
1: sincere yeah yeah but cool her daddy gets huge people they got zane to talk about the fight with yolanda which but
2: did anyone even lis- listen to that
1: no no like
2: i was like oh i care kind of about finding out what he has to say and then i was like i just don't even care anymore and also they released so many snippets that you're just like whatever
1: and he still said nothing as well yeah i was exactly. like Tal- talk. why did you call her a dutch slut i literally need to know before i die
2: <laughs> <laughs> jennifer lawrence is being like i need to know what went on between carly gloss and taylor swift is so me and you're like i need to know why you called your land i had eaten a dutch slut i need to know that as well have you been watching no. housewives
1: no i i kind of forgot about it and then i just saw this morning um that Jenna Lyons did another New York Magazine interview about it. She's going out with Cass Bird now. She's literally I know, the coolest I can't person it. ever. And Cass I Bird know. spoke to New York Magazine and was just like laughing, being like, yeah, I don't watch Housewives. I know. She's so cool.
2: Yeah. She's, she's so fucking cool. I've been watching it, but... It's a slow burn. I think like all of these reality shows are such a slow burn until you fall in in love with the characters. Like Love Island Mm -hmm. honestly takes you like, Love Island is on every single night and it honestly takes you like a whole month of watching every night of your life before you are remotely interested in like (laughs) what happens and
1: then it ends. I know. I've I've still never watched it. This year might be my year.
2: Yeah. That final week though, when you're hooked, you're like, it's like literally all you think about. (laughs) The Olympics. Yeah. It's like the Olympics. But um, yeah, with with the housewives, I'm not crazy obsessed. yet. I love watching Jenna, though. Yeah, I kind of just want to watch it to see Jenna.
1: I just mm-hmm. wish they'd done like an all an all chic lineup. I don't know if they would have
2: gotten one, but I think they'll start infiltrating more, which is cool. Yeah. But yeah, I was at wait. Did I tell you that I was at like a fashion party and like the old school fashion journals of like her time were talking about her being on it, and I was like, this feels uh. so um. Corny. It feels like this should be on the t- on the TV. Yeah, <laughs> they were just exactly. like, "Why would she do that?" It feels like a career ruiner. She's got some weird eyelash brand. <laughs> I was like, oh. "We
1: justice for the eyelash brand." I know. I didn't know. We didn't know. And this is, to be fair, this is a a, a messaging problem on Jenna's behalf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I've never her. heard this until this profile that she created them because she has a genetic disorder where her eyelashes and eyebrows don't grow properly. So they're like non-toxic, something, She something. could tell us that. Please, yeah, that's a great narrative. <laughs> that's that a great reason of. for
2: creating this. I was like, this is so random. Why don't you release a line of like checkered shirts or something? Like
1: Yes, marble countertops. <laughs> but it makes sense um yeah i might wait even with the housewives i don't i don't like how they do it week by week i've never watched a season i need it to be bingeable okay, yeah. so i'm kind of mm-hmm. letting them build up because like you say a lot of episodes are so boring they're really there's like 20 episodes to build up to one single interesting one yes um so yeah
2: Did I tell you I went to Kim Gordon's wardrobe sale?
1: No. Oh, my God. (laughs) So crazy. How was it?
2: It was really cool. It was in Silver Lake a couple of weeks ago. And Uh. I saw it on Instagram. And then I was like, oh, I want to go, blah, blah, blah. But then the day kind of came. And I was like, had no one to go with. (laughs) But I was like, fuck it. I'll just go. And I was kind of, and I was writing about this, me in LA all the time. My sister on Saturday night was like, we're going to the football and we'll come home and you would have gone out. And I was like, I swear to God, I wouldn't have. <laughs> I was like lying on the couch when they got home. Um, but the, um, but then I went and I was going for work. So I was going to write a story about it. So it was kind of cool because it took the pressure out of, I find sample sales and such so stressful. But I arrived at 8.30 and the it didn't open till 10. And the line was already pretty long, but like obviously nothing like Chloe Sevigny's one in New York. Um and the cute girls at the front got there at one. Got there at six a.m. with her bagel and her book. And then she was twenty-seven, and then the other two beside her were nineteen. And I was like, "How oh, are you guys so cool?" And they got there at six thirty, and because they're nineteen, they didn't have that much money. And she, they were just like, "We're here to kind of. We don't want this to be that competitive s- sample sale mentality. We just want to treat this as like a look into her life, and as as if we're visiting a museum or something."
1: Oh my god, that's awesome. They should, those things should be capped at like one item per person, I think, because it's just so much nicer to give everyone an opportunity to get, like even you mentioning that, I'm like, oh my God, I would love to have gone to, have, to have gone to that. And I can see myself being intimidated into not going because it's like oh, the first five people are just going to fleece it yeah, and then it's boring for everyone else.
2: Yeah. The, I think Chloe's one was really badly managed. This was kind of better. It was also small, which was really nice because you, it was just kind of, you just go through um, and it started at 20 bucks and stuff went up to like 400. It was cheap, but there wasn't as much. I kind of thought there'd be like a lot of archival Prada and Mew Mew or even her X Girl range that yes. she released in the
1: 2000s. Oh my God.
2: But there apparently there was some stuff of that, but I didn't see it. But it was really cute. I got a checkered plaid shirt that's <sighs> from J. Crew. That's what reminded me of it. That um, Patrick Dempsey's wearing in the ad that i didn't even see i saw it on the there's like some old j crew account that i've been looking at because of jenna lyons j crew's like having this moment in the sun and then uh, yeah even ross katz shared that patrick dempsey was wearing the exact shirt i have in the 90s amazing that kim gordon also wore quite cool
1: that's fucking sick that's really cool the
2: young girls were so sweet it was really cute.
1: I love girls.
2: It was so sweet. It was like the nicest morning of my life. And I was just hanging out with these like 19 year olds that we all followed each other on Instagram. And That's one of them special. came out after 10 minutes, Grace. I honestly wanted to cry and kiss her and hug her. She came out after 10 minutes. It was sweltering in the sun by this point because all the shade had left. People had umbrellas because they were smart. And I was just like sweating and sweating. And she left after 10 minutes. And I was like, hey, why did you leave so soon? And she was like, I just wanted to like, Give everyone else the opportunity. Plus, I got what I wanted, and she got this gorgeous Madewell. Um, uh, what's the thing? Suede tasselled jacket that was so sick.
1: That's that's actually the spirit. So this, I want to talk properly deeper on another episode um, because you haven't had a chance to read it yet. But Kathy Horan wrote this thing in New York Magazine about how basically, like, there's not that many people. There's so many new fashion brands and fashion is so huge but there's actually not that many people doing really interesting things it's just there's this appearance that there is but it's not actually moving the craft in any direction and she kind of talks a lot about the pharrell Pharrell, louis vuitton thing and how that was such a huge marketing event but the clothes weren't that interesting and she was saying how how the way fashion has been turned into luxury has made fashion so boring (laughs) and I was just thinking as you were saying that the for me the future of fashion will make fashion interesting again is almost this like democratic reasonably revolution of like reasonably priced shit that young people can buy and wear and can style interestingly and that's just cool again instead of things that are just you know how like vintage became really cool again and then all these vintage brands popped up selling jackets for five thousand or six thousand dollars and then that just kind of destroyed that vibe it feels like every time something happens that's interesting the money thing becomes a factor and it just all of a sudden becomes inaccessibly expensive and i think that the next step is going to be stuff that's well made and a focus on craft but is genuinely affordable for people
2: Yeah, I agree because that's kind of what happens is those brands then just hike up their prices. It's like acne used to be relatively medium priced Mm -hmm. and it kind of is for some items still, but then you'll go in and shit will be like thousands and thousands of dollars and you're like, oh, or brands that you think you should be able to afford, (laughs) like the new brands that are coming up. Yeah. You think you should be able to afford them and then you go in and you're like, this is still a thousand dollars for a dress. Like what?
1: Yes, and acne almost like it suits being a lower price point. Like it's really cool, it looks great, but the fabrications aren't like $2,000 for a dress fabrications, but that's what they I mean, nothing charging. fucking is.
2: Like even yeah. when you look at like St. Laurent dresses and it's made out of like mm-hmm. 90% polyester <laughs> and you're like, okay,
1: this is fucking $3,000. It's so true. It, that's uh, The reason I mention it in the context of the Kim Gordon thing is like that sense of people just being a little bit, fucking normal about it and being like okay I'm just gonna go in and get this one thing that I like and it's reasonably priced and then just leave and that's instead of she could have so easily have done some online sale where every single item was two or three grand and people would have bought it and paid that much for it but it just yeah takes away the spirit of it so much
2: yeah it was so nice I got like some of her t-shirts for ten dollars each a sonic youth t-shirt because I just was like I have to for yeah 75 and then some acne shorts for 50 and mm-hmm. that J Crew, J Crew shirt, and then a little cropped Boss striped shirt for twenty five.
1: Cute. Yeah, that's, and I was like, that's and future. I was so
2: happy. Whereas I don't know, I and I think it was also the vibe of yeah, as you say, like the girls in there, who made me feel really happy with that. Instead of, I think when I initially got there, I was like looking through the racks for vintage Prada mm-hmm. and Miu Miu, and then I was like, wait, I just like this shirt.
1: Yeah. Who cares? It's a really, yeah, I, I, like, I like that. I think it's a good sign. I think everyone's just getting a bit fucking over everything. Also,
2: yeah, also the way that they, they market vintage, the way those shops market vintage so well to our pea brains for that like very specific period of time was that these items, which, which is like true in a sense, but it's like these items are kind of one-off. So you go and you see it and you like it and you want it so badly. You want it more than you would want A brand new thing because you feel like you can't get it anywhere else. But it's like there is so much vintage out there. Like maybe that one specific piece you'd have to search for to find again. But it's like I think I went through that thing of feeling as though I needed, I'd go into a shop and be like, I need to get this. Mm -hmm. Even though I maybe didn't love it as much as I should have to buy it for that much money. And now I'm going to vintage shops here in LA and there's, I don't know, there's one that popped up. It's James Valoria. Vintage, and it's a New York shop, and they're doing a pop up here. And I went in, and it's like Dior tops for two hundred dollars, like mm. uh, Comme de Garçons, like cardigans for two hundred bucks. Just like everything is around two hundred dollars. And I'm like, that's a great price for this stuff. That's how much it should be. And it makes yes. you also, it also weirdly makes you feel less crazy and feverish about buying it because you're like, oh,
1: a hundred percent. I remember seeing like uh, I had something saved on my real, real old fucking Galliano Dior thing forever ago. And then I saw the same dress pop up on one of a kind vintage on their first dibs for like literally 10 to 15 times the price. And it was a hundred percent the same dress. And I'm sure it was like slightly better quality or like, as in had been kept slightly better. But then I had this total manic thing of, oh my God, I should have got the one on the, blah, blah, blah. blah." And it, it was just this idea that these curated places can just hike up the price to whatever it's like they can just put any dollar value on it it doesn't actually mean anything it's not a sign of how rare it is it's just like which fucking idiot's dumb enough to pay for this yeah and there will always be someone
2: for sure and then it makes you feel yeah it makes you feel crazy for not buying it i just i literally just had that happen on my camera roll i don't know why i was scrolling back and i scrolled back to when i was in new zealand in a charity shop and put on this oversized It's kind of a more annoying thing because it's actually something I probably should have bought, but this oversized leather jacket that was like, it's basically just looks so much like the really, really expensive ones that are ever at the moment. And I think it was 300 New Zealand dollars. And I was like, no, because what is this? And just put it back and then was like, oh, great. But whatever. Yeah,
1: that's the new... Revolution. I was like, I'm going to call them and see if it's
2: still in the shop in Auckland from three months ago and get my sister to go in there. And I was like, you, <laughs> you need could. to get a life. I know I could. <laughs> it won't be, surely.
1: No, I really just like that idea now of like, I th- very cool people have obviously always known this, but just being so much more led by how does something feel? How does it fit? Do you actually just getting out of that? Labels thing mentality, which is very hard to do because we're so it's so drilled into our brains. But it's it's silly,
2: yeah. Or also just embracing what you what you like, even if it feels like it's not something that you would usually wear. I don't know. I've just been yeah. buying those little cutesy white dresses and wearing them, even though my sister was like, "I've never seen you wear something like this." And I was like, "Well, this is the new me. And I love it." <laughs> and then tomorrow I'm going to be way. wearing the opposite, and it just doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. Nothing matters. <laughs> We're all going to die. Okay. But we need to talk about this Ashton Mila Kunis thing because yeah. is this a huge story? I mean, it's obviously a huge story, right? Is it? I, I, yeah. I know that you're not like the touchstone for America, but is it like the biggest story in America? Would you say?
2: Uh, it's been everywhere for the past couple of days, but I don't know how I would judge that because for, for me everywhere means, like, looking on the Instagram <laughs> accounts of people
1: I follow, I guess. Um, so Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis are in hot water, baby, because Danny Horrible, Horrible, Horrible Masterson, who was on that 70s show with them and is one of Ashton Kutcher's best pals, which is very telling. Um has just been found guilty on rape charges and sentenced to 30 years to life in prison, which is an extremely rare and, in my opinion, wonderful example of (laughs) proper sentencing, the opposite of what we usually hear. But um, what's basically come out, which I'm sure Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis were mortified to find out had been released, were the character letters that they both wrote to the judge on his behalf – and what's, I think, what's so shocking about it is the fact that they were written in between the period of him being found guilty by a jury and being sentenced by a judge. So, like, this idea of it was written a few years ago before details came out or whatever is moot. They are essentially asking the judge for leniency and kind of using their power and celebrity to try and push for him to have a lesser sentence. Um, that came out people are really outraged and they released this apology which I think has just made everything a thousand times worse but I guess the big thing is about how they and him in particular Ashton Kutcher position themselves as advocates for victims of sexual violence because they have this like human trafficking and child trafficking charity. And he has done amazing things with that charity. Like none of that stuff is true because of this. Like
2: it's great, but so, so.
1: Yeah, he's like spoken random. to Congress and like raised millions of dollars. And like it's this huge thing. And the fact that he positions himself in this very public facing way, in a way that's really beneficial to his like persona, whilst quietly, secretly behind the scenes advocating to get an actual convicted sex like offender a lesser sentence just feels so fucking hypocritical and crazy
2: I know I am not at all I think I don't think they should have written those letters at all but at the same time I can I can, like it's just that thing of everyone believing everyone believing victims until it's like someone close to them and then they just don't believe it at all and that I feel like that's just the thing we need to be Speaking about and kind of nailing into people that it is it's like, um Chanel Contos, the little legend I just saw on Instagram the other day, like I mean, she said this since since the very first time she began kind of like being in the spotlight for uh everything, but she was just saying like she still speaks to men who are like, yeah, but I don't know any guy, I don't have any friend who would ever do this, but yeah of course I sh- I support women and of course sexual assault and stuff shouldn't happen. And it's like, she was just like, I find this so frustrating. There's some quote that just popped up on my Instagram yesterday. And I was like, that's exactly it. And like, I, I, it's like the Lena Dunham thing all over again,
1: mm-hmm.
2: where you, and I get that because Ashton Kutcher did say in his, in his thing, you know, we were asked by his wife. We know his wife really well. We know his kids really well, but it's like, I don't know someone did a crime you can't
1: I yeah I I totally agree with you I think the best conversation that people should take away from this is like not about fucking massively wealthy celebrities in fighting it's about this represents the problem with like how we combat this as society because like you say it's very easy to condemn stuff like sexual violence from afar and everyone then struggles to deal with it when it arrives in their backyard and we need to have like really frank honest difficult conversations as a culture about how we do that because that was a point I wanted to make too was like at the same time it's very easy for us to condemn their actions from afar with when it's not out like as he says in that letter it's his best friend in the whole world for 25 years like he says it's one of the only people outside of my wife and my like mother that I would let be around my children like I think that's a very complicated moral situation to be in and we should have a certain amount of like empathy for that being a difficult situation for people regardless of whether they're famous or not
2: this is maybe a stupid point but I was just thinking about how even if you did believe someone did something bad but they were your best friend of 25 years imagine how how, ignoring them asking you to do that you'd be like sorry I missed your text (laughs) Been
1: offline for a week. Um, it's, just so it's so awkward, but I guess the deeper conversation is these accus- these accusations came out in 2017. Danny Masterson was working with a um on a show, Ashton Kutcher executive producers for Netflix at that time, and they had to stand him down after the allegations came out. There's been two trials, um, because the first one was a hung jury. If this is your best friend in the whole world, you're, you've you been across this and are aware of this for a long period of time. You're obviously aware of the details that have come out in the trial, which are extremely fucking harrowing and confronting. So to me, the fact that the letters existing and the half-assed apology says that they don't believe it's true is what I feel. And I think that's almost the the bigger thing to deal with i don't think if you actually believe that your friend has done all of this stuff you're just like oh I'll just and you're that famous that you just write a thing to be polite i think that there is some creepy like g- you know group think that's going on behind the scenes where anyone on danny masterson's side of it is essentially accusing the victims of fabricating this and there's a really big scientology undercurrent to the whole thing which i think is really essential to talk about because a lot of the accusers have talked about these fucking crazy scientologists as we know from all the shit we've watched before trying to drive them off the side of the road one of them says their dog was was beaten to death suddenly oh my god phones tapped internet things tapped being followed being like this is a 20 year almost 20 years of like insane horrific harassment by the scientology church like that's a big part of this whole thing and what some people have said and this like i guess taps a little bit into conspiratorial territory is they recognize in the statements from ashton kutcher and mila kunis wording that feels as if it's been vetted by and read by the scientology legal team who have been in charge of danny Masterson's trial. Are they Scientologists? I don't know. I like this is the question is I don't think so. They're not publicly considered Scientologists, but like it feels as if maybe this is a thing. If your best friend of 25 years is like one of the most p- prominent celebrity Scientologists, you're backing him through this trial and writing a letter to the judge. I not even know the, that. I didn't know that either. But I, the other thing as well that someone said is like the both letters go to these long lengths to talk about how both Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher would have done drugs if it wasn't for Danny Masterson and, like, he's the reason they never did drugs and never slipped into a drug-taking lifestyle because he's so anti-drugs, which everyone found really obscure to mention, but he's accused of drugging his victims. So there's, like, this sinister undertone of, like, they just seem like they're saying, oh, we didn't do drugs because of him, but there's this underside of, like, two hugely famous a-list hollywood celebrities insinuating to a judge that the complainants are lying in the letter as a a, Mm. like another side to it which could be true or could not be true but they would basically people are just saying that it feels as if scientology lawyers have had some sort of massaging of that document which knowing scientologists i just wouldn't be shocked by but it just brings a whole like additional murky layer into it
2: yeah it's so gross christina rishi on um on instagram stories just being like so sometimes people we have loved and admired do horrible things they might not do these things to us and we only know who they were to ask, but that doesn't mean they didn't do the horrible things. And to discredit the abuse is a crime. People we know as awesome guys can be predators and abusers. It's tough to accept, but we have to. If we say we support victims, women, children, men, boys, then we must be able to take this stance. Um... And then someone was like, here's to her for positively wrecking Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis for tactically denying Danny Masterson as a serial rapist and giving a half-assed non-apology without ever addressing them directly,
1: a queen. The apology deserves a deep dive. The apology is fucking insane. Like, just from a, a PR perspective. What was
2: up with Mila Kunis in that? It's so weird. Like, did she just not want to do that at all? She was forced to do it, so she thought okay, I'll do a half-assed one. Would Ashton not be like, babe, you need to act bitter? do another
1: take. That's what I felt. So they're obviously reading off a teleprompter on the screen. Ashton Kutcher is trying quite hard to, like, say these overly rehearsed, lawyered lines in a casual way, cadence. And Mila Kunis Mm -hmm. is reading them like a news reporter, she's saying, like, with this really weird intonation. Um, And looks kind of bored and pissed off whether she was trying to go yeah. for serious and it just, it like none of it rang sincere. I want to say in a very weird, like <laughs> um, thing, not in their defense, but just as context is I did go on further down his Instagram account, just out of curiosity. And I watched a video of them announcing that they'd raised all this money for the Ukraine. And the delivery was really similar. It was like them sitting in front of the computer in the same way, reading off something on the laptop and him talking in that chill, casual way and her reading the lines in that weird way. She read them in the statement. Like, I don't know if it's just their thing that they do or something. And they just didn't, um, yeah. Uh, So I don't know. I I think maybe part of that's just how she talks and it came across especially jarring in that context. I definitely don't think the video should have been released. Yeah, because then
2: also when she was like emphasizing and being like, we believe victims we do this through our work and then just, I don't know. I was like, it's also his work. And also you you just seem so, you just seem like you're <laughs> lying. But I guess it must be hard for him to be like, babe, you need to be a better actress.
1: I, but it's like your whole life. <laughs> There's a bigger livelihood. conversation
2: at play here.
1: That's what I mean though. <laughs> the stakes were huge. Yeah. What it came off as, and I think why people are so furious about it and, it's hard to say whether it's come off this way unintentionally or what is it it felt like two people who are above this whole thing throwing a raggedy half-assed apology to like the unwashed masses who were like so stupid that they just have to say sorry and get you like if it had this like condescending we don't actually have to put effort into this vibe and I think people feel very strongly that Hollywood elites as they like to say condescend or talk down to like the general population and think they're kind of on a huge moral high ground and I think that's how it felt it didn't have any contrition considering what they're accused of doing and I think if you believe that your friend has been wrongly uh incarcerated I think that's fucking insane because it's so at odds with the evidence, but you should just stick by that, you know, don't be cowards, like stick by it (laughs) or don't like this half in between thing where you don't actually really apologize or acknowledge how insane it is. But then you're also just trying to get people off your back. I just think is quite, I don't know. There's
2: also those crazy <laughs> things you put on the document. I feel like we can't even talk about I them. I think
1: we can because it's like, basically Chris, uh, Chrissy Bexler is one of the three Jane Doe's and she is was Danny Masterson's girlfriend for like a long period, for six years. And she is married to Cedric from At The Drive-In, weirdly. And... So she's mildly famous, not super famous, but I think more so than the the other Jane Doe's. Um, And she has basically put out an accusation on Instagram in which she says something like, uh, Ashton, I was there for everything. I was there for everything you and your buddy did. Never forget, I won't forget what happened on February 20th or 21st. 2000 I can't remember the date
2: 2001
1: 2001 so she
2: said dear Ashton I know the secrets your role model in quotation marks keeps for you one that would end ones that would end you did you forget I was there you were on speakerphone the night you called Danny on February 21st 2001 I heard everything I heard the plan in my opinion you're just as sick as your quote-unquote mentor that's crazy this needs to be Studied.
1: Yeah, it's nuts. So this is referencing, which is really awful, 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 which I did know, Ashton Kutcher's ex-girlfriend, Ashley Ellerin, who was murdered by a serial killer called the Hollywood Ripper when she was 22. And the night that she was found, Ashton Kutcher – sorry, the night that she was murdered, Ashton Kutcher went over to her house to pick her up for a date, says that she didn't answer. He thought she'd stood him up, that he left, and then the next day found out she'd been killed when a friend – discovered her body what people thought when Chrissy um posted this on Instagram was that she was somehow insinuating that Ashton Kutcher had something to do with it and that she was some crazy conspiracy theorist what I what I read it as and what people have since started talking about was this idea which another person who knew them at the time has actually said on a podcast like 7 months ago the rumor is that Ashton Kutcher arrived at the house and actually did see something, freaked the fuck out because he was a young actor on the rise and didn't know what to do, worried about being blamed, was obviously like horrified, and that he went back to his car and called his friend Danny Masterson who suggested to him that he just leave the scene and not call the police because it would be way too bad for his reputation. And she's basically insinuating that she was there and on speakerphone and that that was part of that that actually happened. Um, And I guess the reason that it's being brought up and why it could be relevant is this notion that like, does Danny Masterson like have something on Ashton Kutcher and that's why he's putting his and his wife's career on the line to write this, you know, letter Mm. or something. It's so it's, it's gotten very dark and, and depraved and um, kind of awful
2: It's also, yeah, it's so crazy. How did like a murder get into this by the Hollywood ripper? And Scientology, it's just a wild story. And what's this other Instagram? You'll want to ask Ashton Kutcher if he remembers that orchestrated meeting between himself, January Jones, Laura Pepin, and me that took place in my, in brackets, Danny Masterson's living room in 1998. I know the secrets your
1: role model keeps. Hidden cameras. Hidden cameras, yeah. So she's like going all out. There's a lot of shit, like old videos being brought up of Danny Masterson just being a disgusting fucking pig. And I just know that the early 2000s was a different time. And I know that there are things that were said then that were very common and laughed about that are like, not that we all look back on and realize were disgusting, but he just for him to be Ashton Kutcher's like ride or die best friend through all of this shit, I just find very questionable. (laughs) It really makes me reconsider him a lot. Yeah, for sure.
2: It's and even the stuff that I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, it's so gross to. I know that it was the early 2000s, but it's so gross to look back at these videos of Ashton Kutcher being, whatever, 19, and being like, can't wait for Hilary Duff to turn 15, 18,
1: yeah, (laughs)
2: 16 wait when is the legal age for sex isn't it 16
1: um yeah I think so but yeah that video was like she's one of those girls that were all just waiting to turn 18 I think he was older than 19 there I think he was quite a bit older well yeah he must have been
2: if I thought she was 15 and he was 19 but it must have been like she was 17 and
1: he was 24 or something it's like that culture that video of him saying that everyone's being like disgusting and then people are saying well that was just mainstream culture at the time. You can't blame the whole thing on him. But I'm also like, there's a reason why guys like that were the guys during that time, because that's how they actually felt. You know, it wasn't him like with a gun to his head being forced to say that because it was a laddie culture. It's like he encapsulated that attitude towards young girls, you know, it just, it's all so grubby. <laughs> mm.
2: And me, Lakota's talking about, which is obviously they're married now, so it's whatever, but her talking about how she was 14 for their first kiss mm. and he was 19. And Danny Masterson was like telling Ashton Kutcher to try to stick his tongue down his throat and he'd give him $10. Yeah. I was like, that's fucking feral.
1: Yeah, they're all just like, yeah, it sounds like that set. It's also just like all this being around that 70s show, I just found so, I find so cursed as well. I'm like, that show was always, I just I just never like watched it all. liked I, I always just found it so random. And now I'm like, it's the center of like this giant pop culture mega storm.
2: Wow. I want us to get uh, Chrissy on the pod. I know,
1: I love Chrissy
2: crazy but yeah mila mila in that video is absolutely crazy
1: i wonder what they'll do next it's the, the backlash is pretty strong i know everyone likes to jump on these things and they get over stuff really quickly but i, I do think this is going to do quite like lasting damage to their reputations
2: yeah
1: i agree crazy
2: <laughs> crazy i can't believe i used to be in love with ashton kutcher
1: i know sorry
2: he was the love of my life when i was 12 then he would have loved you
1: then <laughs> <laughs> yeah he would have been like 25 for-
2: yeah <laughs> i also saw the funniest thing on twitter um of chris evans chris evans and alba baptista got married over the weekend. Chris And then someone put on Twitter, Chris Evans is 42 and she's 26. And then someone said, y'all need to learn the difference between being a predator and just being a loser.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I was like, yes. The internet discourse is so funny. Like, even people were being like, everyone's forgetting that he groomed Mila Kunis. I'm like, I think they got together when they were both like in their thirties. Yeah. Like, just (laughs) everyone needs to try not to make, you know two plus two equals seven all the time (laughs) (laughs) i know i know but the scientologists like the core of this two key things the conversation we were saying before about like when people can't recognize like violence when it's their own friends, but also just like how fucking insane the Church of Scientology is. I think that should be like a huge takeaway from this case. It's such a, such a huge part of all the like victim impact statements. It's just like waiting 20 years to get justice because the church covered it up.
2: Yeah, it's so crazy. I need to read more into that side of it.
1: That place is nuts.
2: <laughs> I'm going to be followed now. Now I'm not going to be able to sleep because the Scientologists sort of heard after work drinks. <laughs>
1: They've got bigger fish to fry this week, I think. <laughs> they're just silly. Like, they're so silly. Everything about them is so silly. Like, their religion is so silly. Like, everything is silly, but then they're so crazy that it's scary. Yeah.
2: Agree. <laughs> Where's Tom Cruise in all of this?
1: I know. that's a, That's a really good point. <laughs> I want to see behind the scenes more.
2: There's a big Scientology department near my house. I can go and try and do some investigative journalism.
1: Go and ask them. They'll they'll put you in that room where they make you take like a four-hour personality test.
2: <laughs> I'll be like, I'll be like, I'm a Pisces. They
1: <laughs> like just leave after six hours.
2: <laughs> I'm still talking. <laughs> They're like, it was it's over so long ago. question. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, we must
1: go. Must go. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.